Davis. Her season's going to end on a double doink. One. Unbelievable. Attention listeners, are you ready to be blown away? You asked for it and they listen. Our friends at Manscaped just relaunched the ultra smooth package. It's back, baby. Your new favorite tool and compliments a lawnmower 4.0 to keep your boys smooth while looking and feeling their best. This specialized groin shaving kit is here to help you buff, protect, and shave your most sensitive areas. It's time to crop that bush of yours and get right to the roots of the discount for you from Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping using code DOINK. The legends who introduced the electric ball hair trimmer are bringing back the razor so you can set so you can be set and trimmed from front to back. Men, you no longer have to bore your lady's razor for that precise trim. Step one, grab your handy-dandy lawnmower 4.0 and give your boys a classic trim to your liking to get the loose hairs out of the way and then take out the Manscaped Ultra Smooth Package to make your package the perfect package this summer. The, crop, the crop exfoliator infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on around your groin feeling refreshed. The crop exfoliator can help reduce the risk of ingrown hairs in your delicate places. The crop gel, see what, see where you're shaving with our unique clear shaving gel just for the groin. With four essential oils, it's like a spa treatment every time you shave. And now it's time to shave the crop shaver. Was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. Three precision blades include extra wide lubricating strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. Get 20% off and free shipping. You can go doink at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Use the code DOINK at manscaped.com. We also want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. Not everyone is someone they can lean on and talk to. That's where BetterHelp comes in. With BetterHelp, you have access to over 20,000 professional licensed therapists. It's not a crisis time. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own professional licensed therapist. If you ever search for a counselor in the area, you know it can take weeks or even months just to get a phone call back. With BetterHelp, you can start communicating as little as 48 hours. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. You deserve you deserve to prioritize your mental health this year. So get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash double doing podcast. We want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. Today's episode is also sponsored by Coolbet. Coolbet is the most cheering sprint gaming company in the world. Coolbet also provides the best odds in Canada with world-class customer service. For first-time users, use the buzz go doink, D-O-N-K, doink, for a 100% welcome bonus of the $200 when signing up with Coolbet. That's code doink, and Coolbet will match your first deposit up to $200. Give our friends at Coolbet Canada. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Coolbet Canada. Coolbet, stay cool and bet responsibly. And welcome back to another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deke. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. If you can also rate the podcast and review the podcast wherever you do listen to your podcast, it would also be greatly appreciated. We are talking strictly Dallas Cowboys on the episode today. I know my listeners are going to love that. I am joined by the um, writer for the Dallas Cowboys for The Athletic. John Mashoda is with me. John, my man, how are we doing? I'm doing good, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. 
No, thanks for taking the time to come on. Really appreciate it. Before we do dive into the Dallas Cowboys, I do want to start with you. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and the listeners about yourself. How did you get to where you are today? How did you become the Dallas Cowboys writer for The Athletic? Yeah, so I'm actually from Detroit. And uh, I, you know, I was always big into sports my whole entire life, really. And I just... I never thought I was a good enough writer to be a sports writer. So it wasn't really ever a goal of mine, like after high school or whatnot. Uh, So I actually went to a community college after graduating high school uh, and went for law enforcement. I thought I was going to be a police officer. And so probably, uh, I don't know, six months after finishing up that associates, I was like, I don't know if this is really for me. You know, I was in my early twenties. I was like, I think that'll always be there if I want it. Why don't I really go after something in sports? Let's just see. So I ended up going to Wayne State in Detroit and almost like starting over because a lot of that stuff didn't transfer. I mean, just two different degrees, you know. So when I was at Wayne State in Detroit, though, I started doing some stuff for the Detroit Free Press and then was also covering high schools for like several other smaller papers, like freelancing. And I always wanted to cover pro sports and I knew it was going to, you know, probably be the right place, right time. But I felt like as long as I had that connection with the Detroit Free Press, that maybe something will eventually come open and. Uh, I became friends with an editor there who, uh, after working there a couple of years, he took a job down in, in uh, well, he took a job with ESPN and then he took a job as one of the sports editors of the Dallas Morning News. And okay. he called me uh, at the end of 2010 and was like, hey, man, I, I don't got a full time spot for you down here. But if you're willing to move from Detroit down to Dallas, you know, I got more than enough freelance work here. And, and there's a possibility you might get into covering some pro sports, you know, and it's just crazy how everything works out because, I mean, I go down there. Uh, you know, I had to get a roommate cause I wasn't making a ton of money, you know? And mm-hmm. it was one of those things where I just started going out to Valley ranch as part of my other jobs, you know, like I'd still cover high school football. I'd still help out on the web desk and do all this other stuff. But, you know, I was like, Oh, I, as long as I can go out to Valley ranch, do Cowboys and just help out. Now, now the Dallas morning news is always had at least two or three people covering the Cowboys at all times. So I was like, man, it'd be great. Like maybe an opening comes up here. You know, maybe I can get a hired full time here covering the Cowboys. That would be a dream job, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anyways, I ended up eventually getting hired full time by the by the Morning News to just cover the Cowboys. Uh, and then I did that for about uh, six, seven years full time. And then the Athletic came came to me, and you know, I couldn't pass up on their offer. And I had heard so many good things about the Athletic, and yeah. now I've been with the Athletic for over two years, and I, and I absolutely love it. So, I mean, I love the Morning News too. It just it was a different position, you know, um, no deadlines really. I mean, there's deadlines, but there's not the real like hardcore newspaper deadlines yeah. you know? and covering the Cowboys, you know, they got a lot of late like primetime games. So I, I'm the type of guy where I would rather write until four in the morning than to put something out at midnight and then wake up super early and then write something else at like 9 a.m. I'd rather yeah. just stay up and get everything done and, and all that. But that's what I'm doing. Yeah. The, 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 the craziest thing about all this is that, I look back on it now and it's like, I never thought I would ever get a chance to cover the Dallas Cowboys. That was never something I said. That was my dream. I just, I would have taken cover in any pro sport, you know, mm-hmm. hockey, baseball, basketball, whatever football would obviously be my preference. I love the NFL. Um, and it just, it just crazy how life worked out because now there isn't a job in sports. There's not a team I would rather cover than the Dallas Cowboys. Like one, I don't like the cold weather. So moving <laughs> from Detroit down to here, like the heat doesn't bother me. Yeah, there you and, go. Then, and then the team, I've been covering the Cowboys since 2011. It's not like they're winning Super Bowls, but there's just constant interest in the team all the time. Always and an so, interesting team there, John. Right. And yeah. so there's that part of where I'm kind of like, my bottom line is always decent. And then there's that part of you that you're just like, 
man, what if it got to be like it was in the 90s? Just how crazy would it be with yeah. this team if they even got back to the Super Bowl? So long story short, and I probably already taken too long, but I no, no, I got sure. I got I got lucky falling into this because this is I mean, I, I have my dream job. There's no question about it. That's a super interesting upbringing. I'm, I'm guessing. Did you grow up a Lions fan? I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are you still like kind of tinker with them and follow them a little bit? Or are you kind of full on Dallas now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still follow the lions, the yeah. tigers, the pistons. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you cover an NFL team, it's difficult to like really keep up and then one and then two root, uh, I get the lions and Cowboys have played some really good games since I've covered the team. Uh, I had yeah. some really big moments and stuff like that. And it's funny the way, like I've just been so conditioned to being a sports writer that, you know, if the Lions aren't playing the Cowboys, it's easy for me to be a fan. Like if the Lions, I, I would love for the Lions to win a Super Bowl more than anything, you know. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it is difficult to keep up with a team, uh, just because when you're covering another NFL team. But yeah, no, definitely still, there's still definitely, you know. But but there's a part of me with the whole Lions thing that, I, and I've said this before to a lot of people, like I don't even care if you are a Cowboys fan. Like, of course you want your team to win, but like. Are you going to be really that upset if the Detroit Lions yeah. are Super Bowl? Like they're they're they like the laughing, right? Right. right. Yeah. So. Makes sense. Um, I, I'm assuming a lot of li- like a lot of Lions fans have apathy kind of towards the team a little bit, like as well, right? It's been so long since it won. It's been kind of the dumpster fire organization of the NFL. I'm trying to think of Detroit was like 04 Pistons, I guess the last kind of who run Detroit. Did the Red Wings win be- after that? They were yeah, the playoffs. they have. I'm not a Red Wings. I'm not yeah. a hockey guy at all. But uh, okay. I will say it's funny you bring up that 04 Pistons. 04 Pistons yeah. definitely planted a seed with me that probably now, you know, somewhere in there they factored into um I would say I would say Barry Sanders and the 2004 Pistons probably are two things that contributed big time for me getting to where I am right now because I followed that 04, 05, 06, even 03 Pistons so religiously. So I would always be reading everything and mm-hmm. following all those writers and stuff like that. And then everything got, got taken a level, another level in the late 2000s because Twitter came about. And then you could really get all kinds of information. Of that. Yeah. But that's when I really hardcore started following like beat writers and how they did their jobs and stuff like that. And especially when you're covering a team like the Pistons, when they were so good for several years there, like you're you're hanging on every free agency move, trade, draft, uh, you know, and then they're always going deep into the playoffs. And so I think that that, that that's, that's funny you bring up that because 04 Pistons, no question about it, man. I was I diehard. I, I probably went between 2003 and 2006. I mean, well over a hundred Pistons games. I, I, I mean, there was a point where I was like uh, me and a friend of mine, we, man, in that, in that time we went and saw them play in New York, in Orlando, in Miami, in Indiana, Cleveland, uh, like we just, it was like, we got to go on these road trips too. And and like you said, they were like the only good Detroit sports team at the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's funny you bring them up. Yeah. I'm trying to think LeBron, I think kind of dismantled that team, right? Was that 07, 06, yeah. right? He, he had that one last run and that, it all kind of fell apart there. But. Yeah. I'll never forget. I was in the building yeah. when, when LeBron just went off and that Pistons team was so good on defense and he literally, whoever they put on him, he literally just took over yeah. and you're just like, well, this run's done because this kid's not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, that's a super, super interesting upbringing. And congratulations to all the success. You're an awesome writer and you're uh, one of uh, one of the few Cowboys writers that I do follow along for information. So, again, thanks for jumping on. Well, let's jump into some Dallas Cowboys talk. Why won't we? Um, why don't we start the draft? Uh, what do you make of the Dallas? I know it was uh, about a month ago, but let's just kind of uh, re um, resurface it. What do you make of what the Dallas Cowboys did in the, in the draft weekend? It was kind of boring. Like, they filled needs, but – you know, the previous two drafts, they come out of it with like CD lamb and Trayvon Diggs. And then last year they got Micah Parsons. And then this draft is like, 
they get Tyler Smith, who he's an offensive lineman, who's a little bit more of a project. But even if he was a step in right away guy, it's an offensive lineman. So that's not the big time, like sexy pick that everybody gets excited about. Uh, they take Sam Williams, a DN in the second round, and then Jalen Tolbert, a wide receiver in the third. And 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 so all of those, those three positions are what are going to make or break this draft. And all three are, are major positions in need. I mean, literally those three guys are replacing the roster spots of Lyle Collins, Amari Cooper, and Randy Gregory. And they're not going to be as good as those guys right away. And so that's kind of the feel down here in Dallas is it's like you've lost some talent and you've added pieces but have you even added enough pieces even to get you back to where you were last year? And even last year, yeah, it was good enough to win 12 games, but it wasn't even good enough to win a playoff game. So there's just, there's a lot of, I mean, I wasn't here in, in, in that, that early two thousands run that like people refer to it as basically that, that between Aikman and Romo, it's like kind of the Quincy Carter years where it was like, you know, five and 11, three years in a row and stuff like that. I'm sure fans were angrier then, but since I've covered a team, 2011 until now, this is the angriest and kind of, hmm. uh, I don't know, apathy is kind of setting in a little bit yeah. with this team, like kind of like, hey, you know, you, we keep thinking that you're going to make this run, but are you going to finally make it, you know? And now all of a sudden you're at 26 years now since they've been in the NFC Championship game. That adds up with fans. I um, I, wanted, I wanted to bring up because the Dallas Cowboys, like I feel like they do kind of get underrated from a draft perspective. Like they have been a very – very good drafting team. I know there's been a couple misses. Ezekiel Elliott writes the big one. Um, but like overall, like if you take a look at their, their last few drafts, like the Micah Parsons was an absolute hit. You had Tyron Smith, you had Zach Martin, um, Dak Prescott, right? Like I, I do feel like I know this draft wasn't as sexy, but I do think that that scouting department and the front office on the drafting end deserves a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And I think I 100% agree with you. And I think most Cowboys fans, even the ones that are angry would agree with you on that standpoint. It just to the point where you, you look at what, just for example, obviously everyone looks at the Rams and what they did in the off season last year, and then it gets them a Super Bowl. but you can even look closer to just in the Cowboys division. Just look at what Philadelphia did this off season. It's the, okay, the Cowboys draft really well. They're one of the better drafting teams in the NFL, but they're not. They're a team that doesn't sign other players. They resign their own, but they're not making a ton of moves to bring in other players from other teams that kind of put them over the top. You know, they're, they're a lot more cautious than you would think the Dallas Cowboys in, in a franchise with the resources they have, the most valuable franchise in all of sports. You think that they would maybe take a little bit more chances like that, especially Jerry Jones, a guy that, that's how they won Super Bowls in the 90s. They did take chances and, and and they did, you know, do things outside the box. So if it wasn't for their drafting, though, they'd be one of the worst teams in the NFL because they just yeah. don't sign guys. But yeah, to your point, the draft has been what's kept them as, you know, they've probably been the if you go over the last six or seven years, they've probably been the best team in the NFC East. Although, you know, the Giants have won Super Bowls, the Eagles have went on to win a Super Bowl. But in terms of you know, when in the NFC East, you know, they've, they've held up their end of the bargain there, but they haven't been able to take that next step. So you sit there thinking, okay, well to do that, you're probably going to have to make a couple extra moves that, yeah, they might be risky, but to bring in some other guys. Mm -hmm. um, I want to specifically talk about two guys that you mentioned, Jalen Tolbert and Tyler Smith. Let's start with Tolbert. I do think Tolbert's some more just like, I guess, juice guy in the draft, right? He's a receiver. People love receivers. I love scouting wide receivers for the draft. It's kind of like one of my favorite things to do as I've gotten older following this league. But um, Jalen Turbo's a guy I really liked. I, I thought it was good value in the third round considering that like Tyquan Thornton when the second round, like I, I thought that taking Tolbert in the third is way better value than a Thornton in the second. Um, what does his role in the offense look like? What, I think OTAs have already started, correct? What is, have you seen anything from him so far? But what do you expect, I guess, for him to look like in this offense? 
So last week they had their first OTA practice open to reporters last Wednesday and everything you just said, that's what we're looking for is, okay, so how are they going to utilize Tolbert? Where is he going to be at? Well, he was off on the side working on resistance cords because he's dealing with some type of a soft tissue injury. So he didn't do anything. And so that's one of those things too, where you're like, he is going to be counted on to step in and and he's going to start right away because Michael Gallup is their number two right now, but he's coming off of a serious knee injury that, he is likely going to miss the first few games of the season. Amari Cooper is now in Cleveland. So they need, they have CD lamb as their number one. They need Tolbert to come in and be a factor right away. So when you start off OTAs on the resistance cords, that's not a, that's not the greatest of things. It's not a serious injury there. We have access tomorrow. So I'm expecting him to be out there doing a little bit more, but yeah, I mean, he's in a great spot. And to your point, they could have easily taken him in the second round instead of Sam Williams. That was what it came down to their pick was either Sam Williams or Tolbert. They went with Sam Williams and maybe we'll still get Tolbert in the third. Um, but yeah, I thought it was great value too. I thought that was their best pick without question in terms of value, the immediate coming in and, and contributing. And the other thing they like about him is he can play all the wide receiver positions. Yeah, he can play in the slot. Great in the yeah. slot. Great. Yeah. So that's going to be huge too. So he should be able to step in right away and, and make an impact. But it's, it's interesting you brought up Thornton too, because this is the first year that the front office has really gone out of their way to have like, Hey, you know, we're going to draft a receiver at some point. Here's some names, Dak. Can you call some of these guys and kind of pick their brain? And two of the receivers that Dak Prescott ended up calling in the pre-draft process were Jalen Tolbert and Taekwon Thornton. So Interesting. I didn't know that. So he was making phone calls before the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Now when he was asked about like, well, what about any of those Ohio state receivers? And he's like, he, he joked, he was like, no, man, they didn't even waste my time with that. They knew we weren't getting one of those guys, which basically tells you that they weren't even thinking about trading up. I mean, both those guys go in the top 12, the Cowboys are at 24. They were never going to get up there to get Wilson or Alave. So, but yeah, you could just tell that they, that second, third round, they knew they needed to get a receiver that come in and play. And, and so they ended up being told that's really interesting. I, I've never heard – I don't think I've ever heard of a, a team allowing the quarterback to kind of do that, and I do feel like that's something that teams should allow more to do. And Dak Prescott's a super intelligent guy. Why not have him call guys, hey, if you want to play with me the next five years, talk to me what you like, what you don't like. So I actually find that very interesting. That's a really cool process. Um, I want to talk about Tyler Smith quickly. What is, uh, what's the plan for him? Is he going to be the starting left guard? Yeah, as long as everything goes well, that that appears to be where he'll, he'll be at. You know, when we've got to watch their practices – or their first OTA practice last Wednesday. That's where he was the entire time. He was working with the second team, but that's just because in that first OTA, they're trying to work these rookies in, like slowly bring them along. But yeah, if all things go as planned, that's what that's what they'd like. I mean, in, in the perfect scenario, they draft Tyler Smith because they want him to be their left guard of right now and then the left tackle of the future to take over for Tyron Smith and maybe in a year or two. Um, now, Tyron didn't practice in that OTA race. He's dealing with some back issues, which has been a problem for him for several years. So it's like you see, you hear that and you're just kind of like, you know, don't rule out the possibility of of the Tyler Smith to left tackle getting sped up. The issue with that, though, is that year one, that's probably a lot to ask out of a kid coming from Tulsa who was a little he's more of a prospect, a lot more of a hey we think he can reach a ceiling in a few years and be one of the best tackles in this draft. But if you have to throw him out there right away at left tackle, you know, he's going to see some dominant edge rushers. Do you really want to ruin the guy's confidence immediately? You know, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to talk about Tyrants with us. So give me my next question because I was doing a little peek out on over the cap.com today. I was looking at some contracts and I came across Tyron Smith and this is according to over the cap.com. I'm, I'm 99.9% sure this is accurate. If the Dallas Cowboys were to cut Tyron Smith after June 1st, they would save $13.5 million this year and next year. That is $27 million in cap savings over the next two years. 
Is there any possibility that Tyron Smith isn't on the roster come week one? I would never say there's never because in the NFL, there's just always a possibility of something happening. I I would put it at less than 5% chance. I mean, uh, now next year. Yeah, I could see that being a possibility. I just, they're just too young at offensive tackle. Like, okay. So there are ones right now, if every, if everyone's healthy and they're, they're playing this, this Sunday, you know, Tyron's your starting left tackle. Terrence Steele's your starting right tackle. And he's still a guy that like, he's got a couple years of experience, but he's still, you know, he needs some time to fully grow into his role. But behind them is Josh Ball, who was a draft pick last year, and then Matt Letzko, who was a draft late draft pick this year. So it's like you're real young at offensive tackle. They don't really have another veteran there. So next year, though, I could see them possibly getting out of that. But I would be very surprised if, if they did it this year. I, I, I think I think Tyron Smith has at least one more year with the Cowboys. Yeah, the reason I brought it up because I. I... Look, I don't know how the Cowboys fan base feels and how like internally they feel, but he's been he's gotta been a frustrating guy over the last couple of years. No, like constant nagging back, neck injuries. And those are type of injuries that just don't go away or really get better, right? Like those are kind of the injuries that he's what at 29, how old is he? 30 now? Something like 31. Yeah. I, believe, I mean right? he yeah, he played he got in pretty young in, in his career. Yeah. I mean, they drafted him when he was on the tires, right? Like, right. He's, been beat up so I, I just i feel like if you were able to save 27 million dollars and if tyler smith let's say shows up at a training camp or let's say he shows out at otas plays really well like i don't know i'm just kind of just connecting some dots here i, I feel like that made because there's going to be some cuts coming over the next few, a week or two right the post june first cuts do happen so I, I was just kind of connecting the dots and seeing if that but you are right like they're throwing tyler smith out there week one is probably not the most ideal scenario and they really need a left guard that's the other yeah. issue i mean counter williams was their starting left guard last year. He signs with Miami, but they were never going to resign him. He was, he was, he was fine, but he definitely had, a, he had some good moments, but he had a lot of bad moments too. Uh, you know, leading the league with penalties last year. Um, so they need a left guard too. So that's the other issue where it's like, yeah, even if Tyler Smith looked great, I think they would prefer him to be their left guard, at least for this year until, you know, they go out and get some more reinforcements um, at, at the, at those positions. But yeah, it's just, it's funny because when I started covering a team, my first draft I covered was 11, which was Tyron Smith. He's 31 right now. I just looked it up 31, just to okay. be sure. So, okay. So in 11, that was the first draft I covered. And that was a time when you just, you know, Jason Garrett was taking over the team. Tyron Smith was his first draft pick as head coach. And their number one thing was they were going to turn over the offensive line. It just had gotten old from the, you know, Romo's years. They had to get younger on the offensive line. So in those next few drafts, you go Tyron Smith, you go Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, they're hitting that stage again yeah, now. Home run, home run hits there. Yeah. So they're hitting that cycle again where they got to start making that offensive line younger. So they move on from Connor Williams, move on from Lyle Collins. Tyron Smith will probably move on for him in, in the next couple of years. And now it's going to start, you know, where you'll probably have Zach Martin can probably still play at a high level for several more years. But outside of that, they're starting to, you know, cycle into the future uh, up there. So, I mean, it would be, it's it'll be strange not to see Tyron Smith on this team. But as you yeah. point out, you know, back and next, it's not even just heck. It's not even really just athletes, like human beings in general. Like when you start having back and neck issues, it generally doesn't get to a spot where you're like, yeah, you know, I go to the chiropractor now and it's completely gone. It's like, no, nah, you manage it. They'll find ways, you know, and, and there's different things you can get done. They'll manage it. But like you can live with it, but can you get in the, in, in the violent car crashes that yep. you have to get into every Sunday for 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 weeks? Uh, and, and, and the other thing is that just like, the edge rushers and the variety of edge rushers you go against today in the NFL. I mean, you, you can't get away with not being close to a hundred percent, even if you're as talented as Tyron Smith is. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's not a great scenario for the Cowboys. 
Okay, so Ezekiel Elliott, let's talk about him. Um, the next year, 2023, is the first year the Cowboys are going to be able to save some money when they, if they do want to move on from his contract. So he's going to be on the roster for this year. What's kind of the word around Cowboys OTAs or just from the writers and fan base about him? Because, look, just from an outsider again, Tony Pollard was a better player. And he was the better running back, had more juice. It looked like he deserved the ball more. But, again, you got the guy with the fat contract. Guys who get paid a lot of money are always going to be on the field. What's kind of what's the latest on him? Does he look better in shape? Um, is something going to change this year? What what's kind of your mindset on Ezekiel Elliott heading into this year? Yeah, he's in good shape now, and and if they were starting, you know, week one this Sunday, he, I think he'd be fine and ready to go. But he's been fine this time of year for several years. It's about his running style. You know, going back to how I said like how big of an impact on my life Barry Sanders was. Like Zeke's the exact opposite runner than Barry. Like he. Mm-hmm is always into contact where like Barry ne- almost never got, I feel like I've seen Ezekiel Elliott take more big hits in like a single Cowboys game than I saw Barry Sanders taking his entire career. Yeah. And so that adds up after a while. And then the fact that he was that bell cow running back for Ohio state too. And then he comes to the Cowboys and right away, 2016, I mean, it, there's no like easing you in. I mean, the only running back in the league that can even compare in terms of that workload is Derek Henry, who obviously was taken in the same draft class. So there's just a lot of wear and tear there. So it's like, yeah, right now he's fine, but how is he going to be after week two, three, four? And that's what happened last year. He gets a knee injury in week four, continues to play through it. And I agree with you. And most Cowboy fans will agree with you on the Pollard take. The only problem is that Pollard then got his plantar fasciitis. So during the back half of the season, neither of them are a hundred percent because this is where I think they'll be at their best is if you can get them both on the field more often. And, And I think this season will really allow you to do that, especially when you take away somebody as dynamic as Amari Cooper. There's more touches available. And in Tony Pollard's time with the Cowboys these previous three years, every single year, his rushes and his and his uh, targets in the passing game have gone up every single year. So I expect that to continue. But he has to stay healthy. You know, that that's the big issue there, too. But if he does, I mean, he's an absolute home run threat. He, hey, he's going, this is the final year of his rookie contract. He needs a big year. Um, so they need both of those guys to play well. Mm-hmm. I, uh, as an Eagles fan, watching Elliot do that serial selly, it pisses me <laughs> off every damn time. There was one game I remember, I think it was Sunday night, where he he hurdled one of the Eagles linebackers. I can't remember. He was just a monster that game. He was definitely uh, definitely a division killer in his good years. He's only 26 years old. Like, I, I, I think about, like, he's – we're talking about, like, a 26-year-old guy on the back end of his career. Like, that position is just – there's so much turnover on it. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, okay, I want to talk about Kellen Moore quickly. Do you think Kellen Moore took a step back in 2022? Was Did he look the same as he did in 2021? Because I kind of feel like the offense might have not been as creative or just had that kind of touch as it did the previous year. Um, what, what's kind of the future look like for him in that organization? I mean, I think his future is good. I mean, through the rest of this season, but the offense has to get back on track to wait. Like, I mean, the first six games last year when they were clicking, it felt like there was just a lot of things at his, you know, at his fingertips that he could do. And it just seemed like during the back half of the season, particularly after Dak uh, got the calf injury in week six at New England, you know, they they lose, they have the bye week and then they don't have Dak the following week. So it's like a different game plan for Cooper Rush. But then even after that, they play Denver, get blown out. Like they just, they weren't the same after that. And you would see the offense open up against the bad teams. But when they played the good teams, it was like things got tightened down and you didn't just, you didn't see as much variety and, that's the thing where that'll be for me, where I know that, you know, Kellen Moore took the next step is when you can see some of those big hitter plays in the big games against the good teams. And it just, there weren't enough of those 
in that back half of the season. Cause the way they started the year, you know, after that, especially after that new England win, I mean, they looked as good as anybody. Dak was looked awesome. Week I mean, he looked three, man against the Eagles on, on Monday night. Like he was a killer. Dak was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I just, but that's the thing. Like, so Callum Moore has to take a, the next step or here's the thing. Like, you go into next off season and he doesn't, then the team probably doesn't perform well. And if yeah, they don't perform well, Peyton's out there, right? He's an right guy. So, and, and if it's not Sean Payton, it could very well be Dan Quinn. They could elevate him from defensive coordinator, head coach. And, you know, I, I think Dan and Kellen have a good relationship, but if the offense really drops off, who's to say that Dan Quinn's not going to want to hire his own offensive coordinator. You know, I mean, I mean, obviously having a strong offensive coordinator when he was the head coach in Atlanta, was those teams were night and day when he had Kyle Shanahan. I mean, they go to the Super Bowl. That offense was phenomenal. It was as good as anybody in the NFL. Shanahan leaves, obviously goes to San Francisco and things just weren't the same after that. So I don't see Dan Quinn taking the head coaching job. If he's not fully sold on who the offensive coordinator is now with the Cowboys, that always could be sold to, by Jerry is like, this is a package deal. We'll let you be the head coach. You got to take Kellen with you. I mean, mm -hmm. that's certainly is a possibility, but that's, that's an issue. But then like, as you said, the Sean Payton thing, I mean, that's going to be a week to week topic down here. I mean, every time the Cowboys lose, his name's going to get mentioned, you know? So, um, that, I mean, everyone's going to connect the dots with that one. So this is a huge year. Very talked about radio conversation in Dallas lately. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it just, there's just so many connecting dots between the two of them that it just, it makes sense that naturally be that way. So, you know, yeah. So it's a huge year for Kellen Moore, but I mean, it's just such a huge year for Mike McCarthy too to keep this staff together and keep heading in, in the right direction or they're going to, or the Cowboys. I mean, Jerry Jones is going to go in another direction. Yeah. A couple quick ones for you here. What's the latest on Kelvin Joseph? Is there anything on his legal issues? Is he going to be able to, is he going to be around? Like what's the, uh, it's kind of went quiet ever since uh, that video came out. Yeah. So he's been at everything in the off season. He was at the OTAs we were at last Wednesday. Uh, as of right now, it seems that, you know, they rested, uh, two guys involved with, with the shooting and, you know, there hasn't been anything else that's been, that's come out in terms of, you know, any type of punishment or, or, you know, Calvin Joseph needing to be further questioned. So that doesn't mean that there isn't going to be any legal action. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be uh, something that comes down from the league, you know, some contract conduct detrimental to the league suspension, that stuff's all yeah. possible. And, and obviously this is all a terrible look for him, but the Cowboys have stuck by him. And, and obviously people have criticized them for that, which justly so you, you're keeping a guy on your roster that, you know, his lawyer told reporters that, you know, yes, you know, Calvin Joseph was in the vehicle, but he didn't shoot. I mean, just the fact that you're in the vehicle of a drive by shooting. Is that not accessory to murder? Like, I, I don't know the legal states. I, I don't know the, the actual crimes in, in Houston, but like. Isn't that accessory? Isn't that a felony charge? Well, see, I don't know exactly. Like, yeah, it is different for, you know, different states and that. So I don't know the exact charge, but I, but I have heard that you can still get charged with something for being in that vehicle. Cause yeah. here's the thing that here's the, here's an, here's an issue that goes into that, that we don't know yet. And that's, if he was an antagonist, see what happened is there was a fight that started before this. That's what kind of, you know, led to this as being the next step when they were leaving in the car. That's when they shot. Uh, at this individual in this parking lot in uh, at a bar in, in Dallas. So if he was an antagonist in this, then yes, by all means, then he could be charged as well. Even though you, you don't pull the trigger, you can be, you know, a part of the reason why this thing even happened. I mean, mm -hmm. my big thing, and I was just like, I mean, just being involved with a drive-by and no bullets come close to hitting anybody is terrible, yeah. let alone hitting somebody, mm -hmm. let alone killing somebody. So yeah, it's hard for me to believe that just everything. No, no, nothing's happened. So okay. it looks like he's going to be good to go. He'll be out there. Like I wouldn't go on that. I, 
Kevin covering the Cowboys for over a decade, I, I see them having him around because they feel like it's better for him to be around than if he's not. If you fair suspend enough. him and he's fair. on his own, what could potentially come of that, you know, not only with his football career, but his just everyday life. So they've done that with other guys with some off the field issues. So that doesn't surprise me. But at the same time, anybody that wants to criticize the Cowboys for having a guy in their roster still and not at least suspending him, they deserve all of that criticism as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, one last question for you, John, before we get out of here. I kind of want to ask a big picture question because I'm kind of curious from your angle here. So how do you think the team has been handled from, like, I guess, top up? Jerry Jones took over um, since Jerry Jones has been the general manager. The only you brought we kind of already touched on this, but only three playoff wins since 1996. Um, I do think that's been exaggerated because I do think they've had some good rosters. They just they just haven't kind of finished it off like those Dak Prescott cheap quarterback years, I think, was kind of a wasted kind of time um, time slot in this franchise. What does the fan base and what do kind of maybe you think about Jerry Jones as a general manager still running this football team? Well, you're not going to find a fan that would would stick up for Jerry Jones as the GM. Really? Okay. No, they, they're all ready for someone to actually be hired as a GM, and rightfully so. I mean, Jerry Jones' track record, you've been fired a long time ago. I mean, even after winning the, the three Super Bowls in, in the early 90s, if you had the track record that they did going 5-11 and 11, three years in a row in the early 2000s, you'd lose your job after that, you know? Very well. Um, my view on this is, and which this is part of me, like a lot of people that cover the team are from Texas or, you know, grew up following the Cowboys and stuff like that. So they've always had the Cowboys as kind of, you know, their pass is their barometer. Well, I can use the barometer for me as the Lions. And yeah, for what Jerry Jones has done, great for the Lions. For the resources the Dallas Cowboys have, like it's got it's got to be better. You can't go 26 years without getting at least to a Super Bowl like appearance, winning an NFC Championship game. Like I'm sorry, like you just the resources they have, the 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 franchise, uh, your ability to sign free agents. The, how many people want to play for the Cowboys? Like you just have so many advantages over other teams that you just you have to have. Like you mentioned the Eagles. Okay, 2017 Eagles are just that that was such a game changer for me that 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 team winning that Super Bowl because it just showed that like. You don't have to be this team that just is like, yeah, we've been building for decades with this just monster roster. And then now we got to tear it down. It's like, no, you can kind of catch lightning in a bottle and get hot at the right time in today's NFL. And they're not doing that. And so, and when, and, and one of the key pieces I will point to too, when I say resources, the Dallas Cowboys, I'll give you one because a lot of people talk, Oh, everyone's got a salary cap. That's fine. Like there's a certain level and I'll, I'll argue this with anybody because I, I just, I would never believe I'm wrong on this, but there's a certain level of a coach, for example, and even probably GM that you can get for the Detroit Lions. You can get anybody you want at any of those positions for the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys head coaching job is the biggest head coaching job 100%. on planet Earth. It is. 100%. Now, many people will make this argument that have been around here a lot longer than me. And since I've covered the team, I totally believe it too. There's also a part of Jerry Jones that doesn't want some coach after how Jimmy Johnson got all the spotlight. He wants to still get his shine. Do you so, think that's something to do with it? You like, yeah, oh, like yeah, 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 yeah. seems like a yes man, right? Like it just seems right. like this guy Jerry could control. So you believe that that kind of has something to do with it? Jason Garrett too. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, sure. I wasn't here when, when Parcells was, was the head coach, but you know, everyone tells me how, they, how much they butted heads. And obviously very publicly, everyone saw how things went down with, you know, Bill Parcells didn't want Terrell Owens and then Jerry forced him on him. And it was, you know, the beginning of the end of that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ever since then, just look at the coaches they fired, Wade Phillips, Jason Garrett, Mike McCarthy. I mean, believe me, you can be critical of, of those guys and call them yes men. 
I'll, I'll, so just in case anyone thinks I'm just taking shots of those guys, you can say that I'm a yes man. If you tell me I'm going to be the Dallas Cowboys head coach, let me go ahead and give it a try. And if it doesn't work out, hey, oh, well, I'll be the Dallas Cowboys head coach and, and I'll be a yes man. That's fine. So I get where guys come from on that because they want the job, you know, and, and Mike McCarthy said a lot of things at his opening press conference that they surprised people where he was just talking about like, well, yeah, I said that because I wanted the job, like where people are like, whoa, like, okay. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure that there's certain coaches that, that, that Jerry doesn't want to butt heads with, you know? And so, uh, because of that, that's why I say more so on the whole 26 years, it just shouldn't happen for an organization like the Dallas Cowboys, you know? And, and here's the thing, like, like the, the biggest comparison I would make to the Cowboys is like the New York Knicks, but like the New York Knicks have like issues in the front office. And there's like, it's pretty obvious that they've been able to go after big fish players, whether it be a Durant or LeBron. And those guys don't want to go there. Those guys will go to the Dallas Cowboys. Play for the Dallas Cowboys. It's fact. There's just not anything that there's nothing that makes sense that's holding them back, you know. So that's why I, I'm I'm probably more critical of them than maybe some people are, is just because it's too long for them not to even have like one outlier season where you're just like, yeah, you know. But in 2007, you know, they did go to the Super Bowl. They lost whatever. You'd be like, yeah, they probably should beat them more. But I get what you're saying. Like 1996. I mean, that's that doesn't make any sense for especially when every single time the Forbes list comes out, it's always number one, most valuable team, Dallas Cowboys, most valuable team, Dallas Cowboys. Most and it's like all these other teams at least win something every once in a while. Like they hired Mike McCarthy. Cause it's like, okay, are you going to finally make a playoff run? And if you don't, then we got to find somebody that does it's it's the winning the NFC East doesn't mean anything anymore. It's about getting to the playoffs and finally making a deep playoff run. Yeah. The 2017 Eagles are funny because like they, they lost Carson Wentz, but he, everyone, Kind of forgets he was on a cheap deal. He was on a rookie deal, so they were able to build that roster with the cap space, just maximize it around him and give Nick Foles a kind of a decent backup contract. You're able to go get one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league, and like that roster was just so well built around him. And it took one year. Howie Roseman had one off season where he struck light in a bottle. And one of my biggest pet peeves with the NFL is when people talk about windows, like we have a three-year window. No, every year you should be able to compete and, and see, like if you don't have the quarterback, I get it. That completely makes sense. Like if you're in the Atlanta Falcons kind of standpoint right now, or like, of course, but the Dallas Cowboys have Dak Prescott. You've had Dak Prescott from rookie year till now, who has been, I, I still believe like that, that three, four year window when they went with them as a rookie contract. Like that was the time. Like he he was on a fourth round rookie contract. Like, oh, I I, I feel I feel bad for Dallas fans to be honest. But uh John yeah. Majota, thanks so much for joining me, man. Really appreciate it. you're an awesome, awesome guest. Why don't you plug in anything you want the listeners to take a look at? Oh yeah, well follow me on Twitter. It's at John Mashota, so at J-O-N-M-A-C-H-O-T-A. Uh, me and a couple other guys, the athletic, we got our own Cowboys podcast that we'd usually do one episode a week during the off season and then two, sometimes three a week during the season. And then when training camp and things like that ramp up. And, uh, um, so that's called about them Cowboys. And then just follow me on the athletic. Uh, I I'm usually even in the off season, putting up at least a couple things a week. Um, and then, you know, during the season, obviously a lot more. So yeah, any of those things, that'd be great. John, thanks so much again. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.